Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. joining us at 10 p.m. Eastern tonight at a special time. It is Labor Day tomorrow, so we can go, you know, a little later, stay up. Everybody's off work tomorrow. And college football has been great this weekend. We've got a lot to discuss. And, Trey, I don't know about you, but I'm tired after going to a football game this weekend. Well, yeah, it definitely wears you down a little bit for sure, man. Well, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, and tonight's show is Staff Picks on Block Talk Radio. Uh, thanks a lot for the for the love, Block Talk Radio. We appreciate it. And, Trey, I guess the question I want to ask, did, did week one disappoint? Uh, I don't think anybody is disappointed in week one, Tarvin. I'm, not, I'm certainly not. Uh, I think week one was, uh, was, was pretty awesome. It was good football all around. Yeah, I mean that's the main thing. It was it was football. I mean you can't really complain no matter if there was no upsets or or anything like that. Trey, it was college football time. But wow, I mean I know we're going to talk about a few surprising upsets in college football this weekend. Some I think a Pac-12 team, a Big 12 team, both lost. They both lost to some some very bad teams, Trey. Well, I mean there were a lot of upsets actually. I mean there was I guess five or six. Um, you know, Division two or FCS schools, or sorry, FBS schools who lost uh, to FCS schools. I'm going to be reversing my acronyms there, but the point is, is like the big boys, uh, including a ranked team, uh, got beat. I mean, Oregon State going down was was very surprising. I mean, that was, you know, Oregon State was a, was a solidly coached team, and to see them um, lose the fashion that they did. Uh, I was shocked, Harvin. I mean, that was one of the ones that really kept me, or caught me off guard. Was a ranked Oregon <laughs> State team uh, losing to Nichols? Uh, excuse me, losing to who? Uh, sorry, Nichols State. Eastern Oregon, Washington. Sorry. Was it Eastern, Eastern Washington? Washington. Yeah. yeah, Eastern Washington, and getting, getting really in a shootout over with Eastern Washington. Yeah, I mean, that, that really surprised me. Well, it's like we talked about preseason rankings a lot, Trey. You just never know what a team's going to be like. What they're, You can tell somebody's bringing back a certain player, but you just don't know how good a team's going to jail week one. And that's why I do believe it's good to play a team that, like they did, I mean, you thought you were better than, than Eastern Washington, but I think it's good to play a team that's just a little bit beneath you maybe. But I think when you play teams like Eastern Washington, and it could be a letdown in a way. Your players might not take it seriously, Trey, and when you're not that good to begin with, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster, and that's exactly what happened to Oregon State. Well, yeah, I think Oregon State certainly was uh, caught off guard. I mean, I think a lot of teams were actually caught off guard. I mean, 
the fact that um, you know, not only was Oregon State beat, um, but you know, it, it, you know, Boise State was beat uh, by a, an unranked Washington team. Although a lot of us had Washington uh, sort of as a, as a very um, surprising team, I think they're going to break out this year and finish the season ranked. But you know, the Pac-12 wasn't wasn't the only conference that uh, that had its share of upsets and up and downs. Tarvin, I mean, it happened in every conference, including the, the you know the vaunted SEC. Which you know had a coach get his debut debut ruined by Western Kentucky <laughs> and Bobby Petrino. So I mean, you know, Tarvin, I mean, it was surprises all around. I mean, I, I know people didn't think Kentucky was going to be all that great this year, but getting beat by Western Kentucky, an SEC school, and a Sun Belt well, school. I, I, I mean, that's I didn't pick that. I didn't pick that the other night. You know, I, I really thought Kentucky would not beat Western Kentucky. Actually, I thought Bobby Petrino would come in. And take care of business, and I mean Kentucky's Kentucky, Trey. Until they they prove me different, I think they're probably ten years away with solid recruiting to be a team that that you can take serious. So Kentucky, I don't care who you are, you you can beat Kentucky, Trey. So I'm not surprised at that game at all. There's really not a loss in the SEC that I didn't call. Really, I called Georgia losing to Clemson. I called uh, Kentucky, and then I called Ole Miss beating Vanderbilt. But really, it wasn't. It was a dull, boring day in the SEC. Well, you know, and you have to be disappointed too. You know, Oklahoma State beating Mississippi State, even though Oklahoma State was ranked. There are a lot of people who sort of uh, thought that less of Oklahoma State, they were a little overrated. And I thought they played a little bit slow in that game. But any kind of uh, sort of the offensive tempo of Oklahoma State wasn't in gear in the play. Uh, Mississippi State that early in the year. I thought Oklahoma State uh, had a lot of room to improve, Tarvin, but uh, getting a solid win against an SEC West opponent, you got to be happy if you're Oklahoma State as well. Yeah, you do. And, I mean, Mississippi State's probably the ninth or tenth best team in the SEC. And when you look at Oklahoma State, I have been projected to win the Big 12 this year. So it's not really fair to compare it saying, hey, you know, Big 12 beat SEC, here you go. It's, it's just not a, a fair comparison. But, you know, the way we'll talk about this later, the way Alabama and Virginia Tech played, the Virginia Tech Hokie team came to play last night, wasn't really impressed with the Tide. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad. we'll get into, you know, how however you want to get into it, Carter. But there's, there's certainly some more games that, that uh, I think weren't on the top ten list that we sent out uh, that I think are worthy of discussing and, and maybe some some interesting um, you know games that probably people criticize. I mean, or even uh, you know Texas's win, for instance. I heard more criticism for a fifty-six to seven win this yep. weekend. You know, I was shocked that people were criticizing Texas because the game was closed in the first half. But a good week for college football, though, for sure. It was, and I guess the highlight of this college weekend, in a way, I mean, another distraction. I mean, I don't know if you're, if you're tired of hearing about Johnny Manziel, but I am, Trey. Well, yeah, I mean, the antics that he did on the field, but, I mean, it's just like he won't let himself get over it. I mean, I, I watched that and uh, was just just disgusted. I was like, come on, kid, you get slapped on the wrist, and then and then you you do that, just parvin just... Yeah, I don't even know what to say to the kid. You know, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I mean, look, all he did yesterday was slap the NCAA in the face, and he turned around and and slapped his coach in the face. I think Sumlin right now, it would be a good time to actually take the kid out, suspend him indefinitely, 
until, and you tell Manziel if you're Sunlin, you tell him, you'll come back when I tell you it's time to come back, when I think you've grown up just a little bit. But Johnny Manziel, Trey, very disappointed that he came in and made a joke, taunting players, taunting the Rice team. I mean, let, let's see what he does against Alabama in a couple of weeks, see if he's taunting during that game. Yeah, we'll have to obviously see. Um, but, uh, you know, two weeks away, Johnny Manziel in Alabama. But, uh, I mean, if he played pretty darn well, Tarvin. I mean, I will give him that. Oh, he did. I mean, but you're playing Rice, for God's sake. I mean, it's not like you're playing somebody decent. I could come in there and probably throw 60% and three touchdowns and a half against that team. Well, I'm not so sure, Tarvin. I mean, if you look at what Texas A&M did on offense in the first half, um, it was a totally different a totally different situation. I mean, Johnny Menzel came in and really carved him up the way that the, quarter, you know, the, the previous quarterback for Texas A&M couldn't. So, you know, say, saying that it's right, you know, it's like saying that, you know, for Auburn it was Washington State. You know, I mean, it's, just, it's not something that we agree to play out. And you have to be impressed with what Johnny mm-hmm. Manziel did on the field, throwing football, yeah. not on the field, taunting. Well, well, if you remember preseason, Trey, one thing, I have Texas A&M losing three or four. I can't remember which one it was. And it was not because of Johnny Manziel. It was because of that defense. That defense is bad. And when I watched it play, there's so many holes in it. I mean, Rice is not a powerhouse offense by no means. They don't spread you out. They don't hurry up. It's nothing you don't see every day. That Texas A&M defense was very lazy yesterday, and if they don't shape up, Alabama's going to have a field day on them. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, I'm not sure how you want to get into these games, Tarvin. Let me know if, you, if I'm jumping the gun here. But, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not so sure Alabama's offense was extremely slow to get started and really never got started against a really – out of position Virginia Tech game, and I was very surprised in that game how well Virginia Tech's corners were able to cover uh, the the, the uh, receivers for Alabama. And if that's the way the receivers for Alabama are going to play, they're going to have they're going to have some trouble getting open all year long. I mean, the only guy who was open for Alabama was Amari Cooper, except for on the one touchdown pass. Uh, but you know, I mean, so we'll have to we'll have to see what Alabama does the next couple of weeks, Armin. Well, we will, and I'm back to my computer now in the studio. Thanks for bearing with me, Trey, and, and carrying it right here. I think we have a caller in queue. I think it's Sonia, and I think she wants to talk about Manziel real quick, Trey. So, Sonia, what's up? Hey, guys. How you doing? Welcome back, Trey. Hey, thanks, Sonia. Good. I hope everything's well. Um, yeah, Tarvin, Tarvin and I had a, a little discussion about this earlier with Jason, and, and the angry gopher is asleep, so I have to – Send his um, his regards. But <clears throat> yesterday, and let me just make this clear, because so many people want to say that if a Bama fan talks about Johnny Menzel, it's hater envy. Uh, first off, we have nothing to be envious of. That crystal ball sits in Tuscaloosa, not College Station. Okay? Have a Heisman, we have a championship. Get over it. The bottom line is, here's a guy with so much talent, and it's so frustrating to see this kid basically throw it all away. And what he did yesterday, and I told Tarvin this earlier, to me what he did yesterday was he basically just disrespected the people who went to bat for him. Your coach, your team, your school, the fans, they stood up for you. They went to bat for you. And for you to repay them by coming out, the only thing you had to do, dress out, show up, play, win, sit down. That's all you had to do. 
but you cannot control your emotions to the point where you actually respond to taunting. Players get taunted every day. Let's look at Cam. I'll use Alabama as an example. When Cam came to Alabama, it was, you know, right when that scandal was going on, he was getting taunted mercilessly. But did he let that affect him? No, he did not. He, he did his taunting with his play, which is what Johnny Manziel needs to do. And what the, the other thing is, these fans have got to stop making excuses, not only for him but for all of these players. It's their responsibility. It's their behavior that's put them where they are. Stop trying to blame other teams, the media, you know, from, from Jesus to Obama. Everybody's trying to blame everybody else. No, it is that person's fault. He can control his access. He can decline interviews. He can stay at home. Jadavian Clowney does it. Uh, Braxton Miller does it. AJ does it. Mariota does it. So what is the difference? They choose not to court the media. They only do interviews that are either school-sanctioned, or if they're not school-sanctioned, they make sure they only discuss certain topics. So to me, it's like, when is it going to be enough when Tam Yu finally says, okay, it's not worth It's not worth it. That's the bottom line. I mean, what's going to happen when the other players, uh, you know, they start seeing this behavior in the resentment bills, and pretty soon you've got a cancer on your team. So is it worth that much to have that? Well, Trey? Well, I mean, yeah, Tony, you're bringing up some, some good points and some that I think are overlooked. One is, is if you talk to people within the Texas A&M program, what they'll tell you about what happened prior to Saturday is once you start two-a-days, it's really not something that the players think about. It's not something that the players are worried about. So a lot of the off-the-field stuff that we were talking about on TV, you know, on radio and ESPN was talking about on TV about you know Manziel and the suspensions, the players really weren't worried about. They were on two-a-days. They were practicing. They were getting ready for the game. But now, when it comes down to what we saw on the field, which is Manziel getting involved in taunting, he, he get, becoming a distraction, getting penalties, anytime that you start affecting an outcome of a game and realizing that the game was out of hand by this point, but that's where the players in the locker room, that's certainly where the coach, when he sees Manziel sort of trying to walk past him versus dealing with the situation, right. that's where the players do actually get very upset, and that's where your locker room does become an issue. So, Sonia, I agree with you. This is going to have to come to some sort of fruition. I mean, someone's going to have to figure out whether he still owns Manziel and he's in control of this team because if he doesn't get control of Manziel, then it's going to be a time where you're going to see one of these violating team rules and maybe Manziel misses a game or two because you can't have him running the team. It's not his team to run. It's it's someone's team. Exactly. I totally agree with you, Trey. And it's very frustrating because as a Bama fan – you know, and I told Tarvin this earlier, part of me, yes, I want him to be there. I want him to play. I want him on that field when we when we go to College Station um, on September 14th. But then there's the other college football fan part of me that's like, bench him. Bench him now. You know, because it's, it's like, how much will you allow this, this child, because that's how, I'm sorry, he acts like a child. How much are you going to let this child affect your team, your ability to coach your team, your other players. And I can't remember the guy, and maybe you guys can remember his name. Remember the guy uh, last season that Dooley finally got rid of? I think he was a Kiffin recruit, and he was causing – I can't recall his name, but he was a Vol. 
and he was causing so many issues in the locker room, and they finally, Dewey finally kicked him off the team, and the players were coming out saying, finally, thank you, we're glad, you know, and that's when they started coming together. Of course, you know, Dewey got fired, and Butch has it, but but you understand what I'm saying? It's like, okay, you, you held on to him too long, and it started affecting your other players, and your players start to lose respect for you. Auburn, it happened at Auburn, it happened at Bama, you know, so... To me, it's like unless someone, someone either is going to have to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with TAMU administration, because from what I'm hearing, the, the administration really wants him to play. So he's either going to have to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with them and say, I, I can't do this anymore. Either he goes or I go. Something's got, it's either the, ting, the team or him. Because this kid, it makes no sense that on the opening day or the, the real opening Saturday of college football, instead of people talking about these different games and scores, what did we see all over ESPN and all over CBS Sports and all over all of these other stations? It was all about Johnny Menzel and, and his taunting. So Yeah, I'm, I'm from the school, guys. If you Look, how can you pull for this Johnny Menzel kid? If you're a college football fan, if you're a true fan out there, hey, if I was a Texas A&M fan, I would be calling the coach saying get rid of him or suspend him, get control of this guy. Winning's fine, but at what cost are you going to put up with this? I mean, this is destroying the team. If you saw that team yesterday, they were flat, and I think it's just because of all the distractions that they've been up against. Oh, yeah, their their defense, I mean, we're going to, we're going to get into that when we talk about the games, but you could even tell they had six suspended players on defense. We're looking at their defense. We're looking at them playing Rice, and no offense to Rice because, honestly, Rice is one of the only teams that has a winning record against Alabama. It was back in the 30s, but still, they beat us three years in a row. But the bottom line is, Rice should not have put up that many points. You know what I'm saying? And they've got six starters not on defense, but my response to that is, so what you're telling me is that you have no depth and no secondary. Because if, if six out of 11 guys on your on that field, if you need them that bad – no, your defense is not up, to, uh, not up to standards. I put out an Amber Alert on them, and still ain't nobody responded. So hey. <laughs> well, Sonia, I just want to thank you for coming on real quick. We're going to shift gears just a second, and we're going to get back to Bama in just a few minutes. So stay on there, and uh, and Trey Manziel is a cancer, and I just want to say that real quick. You got to get rid of of this guy. I mean, he's he's nothing. I mean, you can find a quarterback at Texas A&M, Kevin Sumlin is a great football coach. He can find another one. Maybe not a Manziel this year, Trey. But at the end of the day, let's get rid of him. And I want to start doing some college football. We're going to go through some games, Trey. I'm not going to go through every one that we picked, the 10. But I want to start with Thursday night's game, the Ole Miss-Vanderbilt game. Trey, any surprise in that game? I mean, Ole Miss was favored on the road at Vanderbilt. Well, I was surprised that Vanderbilt played so well. I mean, Vanderbilt really came out swinging. And, I mean, Jordan Matthews, I think, was the receiver's name. Uh, but he was just incredible. Uh, just all-around great effort. The kid was just going after it. It was the kind of effort that you watch college football for, Tarver. And was watching him play, was, was like, it was like that. I mean, I'll watch Vanderbilt if they're on TV for him now. Like, I was very impressed. You were impressed with Vanderbilt? Yeah, with Matthews. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean – Growing up, Trey, and I'm getting a little static on the phone. Can you just check yours, and I'll check my connection, too. Um, just just going back and looking at that game, do you think Vanderbilt maybe pushed him too hard? I mean, you're, you're at the point where you're out there 
puking, being dehydrated. What do you think about that? Well, I think he was puking because he got hit in the stomach and a couple plays before that. Uh, I'm not sure it was dehydration. He got hit pretty hard right in the gut. Maybe it was that and the heat. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with him being out there. I just when I was watching that. I was just very impressed with his effort, very impressed with the fact that this kid uh, was really what you what you want to see in college football, Tarvin. It's, it's why we watch. It's to watch a kid go after it that way. Well, and, and you know, I'm not a big – Vanderbilt fan with the coaching staff that you have to look at coaching in this situation. That kid's out there laying it all on the line, and, and that's a true team. When you look at Vanderbilt, that's a that's a true definition of a team, a coach that has control of that team. Uh, he runs it, Trey. Vanderbilt's a, a pretty good football team this year, a little better than I actually thought they would be. Um, they do have to get better on offense, I believe, overall. But Ole Miss, you know, let's flip on them real quick. I mean, they're good offense in ways, but I've really struggled thinking Ole Miss is going to be able to compete with some of the top-tier teams in the SEC. I look at their defense. I don't think they can tackle. I think their defense has a lot of holes in it. And one big thing I noticed with Ole Miss is they can't run the ball that well between the tackles. So, Trey, Ole Miss could be in trouble. Well, I mean, I think they're going to improve. I mean, they had a lot of freshman players. I mean, and all these highly – Highly touted uh, freshman. You know what? That was it was another weekend. Also, if you listen to a lot of the things we talked about recruiting, you saw a lot of the names on the field this weekend in the SEC and other places of these five-star athletes that you and I talked about so much and held these guests on. I mean, Treadwell. I mean, he, that kid made a difference in the second half in the Old Miss game. Uh, Nadimda Checker, however you pronounce his name. You know, he made an he made an impact on that fake punt, and he was the guy who was running the ball. I mean, I, I just thought that this was an all-around great effort from a lot of, I mean, a lot of these young kids from Ole Miss. They really came out and played. They didn't give up. So, I mean, I look at Ole Miss as going to improve each week as these freshmen get better and better, and I think Paul Ewing is saying that in the chat room as well. I mean, it's not getting better. I mean, I, I think that receiver, what's his name? Tread, what's his name? Treadwell or I'm trying to think of the receiver's name. Treadwell. Yeah, Treadwell. I mean, what a stud he is. I mean, you don't see many true freshmen, it seems like, just come out and make an impact. I mean, he's a stud. But as far as what I see from Ole Miss, if they can't run the ball between the tackles, and I just don't see that happening this year, they could get better as a team and improve. I don't know. I just don't think they're going to be able to compete against the top tier. I'm not saying they can't win football games, but they're not going to beat Alabama. They're not going to beat LSU and teams like that, not being able to run the football physically. And that's just one one hole I see in the, the defense and the running game. But other than that, Ole Miss went on the road, Trey. It was a great game. They they put up the first 10, and Vanderbilt put up 21 in a row, and Ole Miss did not quit on the road. That's, I have to tip my hat to that. So Ole Miss did what they were supposed to do, and they won the football game. But I mean, I, I'm really impressed with both of them in a way. So, congratulations to Bandy and Ole Miss for the for kicking off the college football season in a great way in the SEC. And Trey, let's move on real quick. Uh, Northwestern on the road at Cal last night. Northwestern are they a pretend? Are they a pretender in the Big Ten, or are they going to be a contender? They looked good last night. Well, here's the thing. I think they're a pretender right now, and, and you know, I I, I kind of bought into them until I watched that game this weekend. And they have a lot of stuff. I you know I'm not saying they're they're out of it, Harvin, or that, that game, you know, kept them, um, you know, to knock them out of the chance to, to win the Big Ten. But, Harvin, I mean, what I saw really concerned me, and it really came down to 
you know, California gave that game away in the fourth quarter. I mean, that game was a game that Cal mm-hmm. came out in the second half and was winning. You know, it took two pick sixes uh, for Northwestern's defense to really win that game. You had, you know, Colin Ellis did it late in the third quarter, that 56-yard interception return, and that really sort of started the, the, the I guess, the, the comeback for Northwestern because, you know, Cal got a couple field goals in the fourth quarter. Uh, but it really came down to those interceptions from Colin Ellis. I mean, this kid had took two to the house for Northwestern. So, I mean, without him making these starring plays, that game was totally different. And, you know, Cal was not a good team. I mean, watching that game uh, mm. and watching Jeff Goff throw for 445 yards, <laughs> uh, I mean, he really made him look like an all-pro quarterback in the NFL. Like, I was like, man, this Goff kid's great. Um, but I don't know that he is. I think maybe the Northwestern defense is pretty is, is going to give up some passing yards, Tarvin. So I'm a little concerned yeah. with the fact that Jeff, you know, this golf kid was able to really carve him up. I'm with you. I tried to get you the the ball for that one, but yeah, Northwestern. I mean, no defense at all. Cal's not a good football team, but you're right, Trey. They were given the game there at the end on the road early in the season. Northwestern is going to beat a team, or maybe they shouldn't. But Northwestern's not a not a contender. I think that's a two team race in the Big Ten, and we'll get into that more. Well, an interesting game, Trey, that we picked. I picked Washington in this game. You know, it wasn't in their home stadium right now, but Boise State to me, a ranked team this year. I wasn't sold on them, and we talked about that going on the road at Washington. Washington laid the wood to them. I mean, this wasn't even a game. Are you surprised at the score? Because, I mean, I am. I'm surprised that, that Washington beat them 38-6. to six. I'm not surprised Washington won, Trey, but are you surprised at that score? Yeah, I mean, the fact that Washington pulled away, I mean, Boise State was supposed to at least have a good defense. I mean, I was worried about Boise State and, and offensively struggling. Um, but I, I was kind of, you know, saying, okay, Southwick is going to improve. I mean, this kid – was not good last year, but he turned out, I mean, they threw the ball 40 times with Southwick and Boise State did, and really with nothing to show for it. I mean, Southwick wasn't good. He didn't throw the ball down the field well. Um, they had a little bit of running room, Tarvin, Boise State did, but they were awful when it came to converting. Uh, and Washington was really good. I mean, Price threw for over 300 yards. I mean, Sankey ran for 161 uh, so Washington may have a little something special, Tarvin. I, I think they're going to be surprised, a surprise in the Pac-12 after watching them play. And, and, you know, you picked them to beat somebody big this year, Tarvin, and then you would be right. I mean, they're a good – they're a well-coached team, and, and that's one thing I'll tell you about them. When I watch them play, I know they're going to be well-coached. 33 first downs in this game and 592 yards on a Boise State defense trade that usually is – it's very blue-collar. They don't give up many yards at all, many points. I don't know. I mean, that was just an impressive performance. I don't think Boise has ever been beaten like that before and since in the era that they, you know, in the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly an impressive – I think an impressive win. I mean, whether you thought Boise State was overranked or whether you thought that they didn't, you know, they didn't deserve to be as highly ranked as they were, Harvin, and the point is is. You know, Washington went out. They beat a ranked team. They beat a team that I think a lot of people didn't think they could beat. You know, and for a program that's on its way up, a program that was, you know, started at the bottom and now they're here in the sort of a rap song, I mean, they, they really showed me that this is a program on the rise. They've been recruiting very well uh, for, for a team that hasn't been performing. And I think they're going to keep getting better. I mean, the Pac-12 uh, in the next couple of years may have Washington as a powerhouse. 
Yeah, I mean, Washington looked good. And, and the game I was at, Trey, I went to Auburn last night. Uh, Gus Malzahn, you know, first, you know, year as a head coach in Auburn. You know, one thing that really, really pissed me off, I'll just go ahead and say it, is, you know, I was sitting in the stands before the game and I was talking to some Washington State fans and Auburn fans, and I said, you know, I'll be able to tell you a lot about Auburn on this first drive when Washington State gets the ball. If we give up a 70-yard, 70, 70-80-yard 70, touchdown drive, 10 plays or whatever, it's going to be the same crap that I saw last year. And it was. Washington State got the kickoff, went 12 plays, 75 yards straight, touchdown. And I just don't get it how, how you can practice all year and you let Washington State come in your home and go 12 plays down the field and score a touchdown. That's one of the gripes. And, and when I, that, that's the first thing that got me in a negative attitude in the game. And after that, it was just hard to pull positives until after I got home and watched the game, actually, and, and just saw it and let it sink in. But, Trey, I was disappointed, especially in that first half. Well, I mean, I, honestly, I think Auburn in this game did look a lot like they did last year. I mean, this was, um, you know, I mean, they got a, they got some special plays, obviously, from Trey Mason. I think you know, him returning that, that kick. Uh, 100 yards and Corey Grant scoring that 75 yard run. I mean that's that's the play difference in this game was they got a couple of special plays from a couple of players. But I mean Washington State being a very very poor Pac-12 team, uh, you have to be a little concerned if you're Auburn, you know, because I mean I think a lot of people thought that Auburn was gonna they had a lot of talent last year. It just was a matter of them putting it together. Well, Tarvin, I mean I don't know. They they still have a lot of ways to go. Um, I mean, I'm happy for you guys that you won this game because this is the type of game that you didn't win last year. So maybe that's an improvement. But, I mean, still a lot of work to be done in Auburn for sure. But getting to well, win uh, is a big thing. Well, I'll tell you what I noticed, too, when I watched it. And, and, you know, when you're at a game, you can't really see what's going on as much. D Ford, I knew he was going to be out. He's their best pass rusher. Uh, Garrett one of their best defensive players, probably the best defensive player on the team was out. And also Jeffrey Whitaker, a big defensive lineman, was out. I didn't know those two were going to be out. But I'll tell you this, one thing I noticed about Auburn this year, the adjustments were made. And after the adjustments, you come in at halftime, the quarterback threw for 80 yards. Uh, and Auburn should have picked him six or seven times. They ended up picking him three and that was more interceptions last night than the entire season last year. And, and the last thing I'll really talk about, about the attitude of the team, nobody hung their heads, nobody was pouting, nobody was pointing the finger. This was a team. They were hungry, and they played like it. And I was very impressed with Corey Grant, the running back, the transfer from Alabama. He came in and did well. Trey Mason did a good job. And also, Mr. Payne, the JUCO transfer, got a few great carries. And the receivers have to get better, and the quarterback has to get better. I wasn't very impressed with Nick Marshall throwing the ball. It reminded me of Cam Newton in his first game overthrowing a lot, not very comfortable. But I think once he gels in, Trey, the, the success of Auburn is all about Nick Marshall. Will he be able to settle down in these games and actually throw the ball and hit the wide-open guy? Because this should have been a blowout. If you watch the game closely – costly uh, a turnover there, a, a holding penalty on a touchdown, Auburn got negated. Uh, just a lot of things went wrong. And at the end of the day, if you're an Auburn fan, just be happy that you got a win right here and move on and see what these coaches can do. And and we're going to bring on Coach Lett real quick, Trey, Tennessee volunteer coach. Big win yesterday, Coach. How are you? Doing well. How are you doing tonight? 
Well, doing good. Thanks for joining us, and, and I know you're happy. I know you're happy about the 45 to nothing win. Tennessee went up 42 to nothing at halftime. And coach, did you call off the dogs in the second half? Uh, we didn't necessarily call the dogs. He still ran our offense, ran our defense. We just got a lot of uh, a lot of our younger guys out, some game action. Got some of our older veterans out of the game. It's a long season. Got the SEC schedule coming up in a few weeks, so we wanted to see what everybody else could do as well. So we didn't necessarily call the dogs. We just ran a lot of more guys in, a much bigger rotation, if you will. Yeah, but tell me what you saw. I mean, the difference. I'm sure you watched film last year. You know, watching the team the year before. What did you see out of your team? You know, the week one that that gives you confidence going into the rest of the season. Really, we saw a lot more excitement on the sidelines. A lot more uh, energy when guys score. Guys, we we uh, we, we preach when we score. Celebrate with your teammate. Don't do anything to draw attention to yourself. And that's what we really harped on this year, going to uh, spring ball and training camp. And the guys really did that. The guys, whatever the offense scored, the whole offense relative to the end zone, the sideline was excited when defense made big plays. The sideline was excited. It was a very, very great atmosphere last night. 97,000 screaming fans. It was a really good, really, really good atmosphere last night. That's the biggest thing was the excitement and the togetherness with the team when everybody scored. No individuality. So that was the most important thing we saw. And uh, we played a lot better discipline football, uh, no penalties, which was was great to go into first game. You typically have little miscues here and there, but last night we had no penalties, so that was a great thing to come out of, and always injury free. Well, coach, I'll, I'll tell you this. I mean, I don't care what level of opponent you play. Week one, you come out like you said to have no penalties, and and to be able to execute that shows. Whether regardless of who you're playing, it shows the, I guess the level of discipline now on the Tennessee Volunteers team, and that that's got to be exciting for you guys and the coaching staff. Yeah, we we've been preaching attention to detail to the little things, lining up right, listen to cadence. It's going to be loud, locking in on the ball if you're on the perimeter, all those type of things. And when you're blocking hand plays, we've been preaching that since day one, because for us to go, get through the SEC and have a a pretty successful year, we got to play very disciplined for football. And that's one of our goals and keys to winning. We call it a game plan to win, and disciplined football is one of them. Trey, you have any questions for Coach? Hey, Coach. Trey Patterson. Coach, I just want to ask you, you guys used a quarterback rotation, and it, it seemed pretty successful. Uh, were you – Pretty happy with uh, what you saw from Peterman, who was four from eight, 28 yards, and Justin Worley, who was pretty efficient at 11 for 13 for 104. Uh, how do you guys uh, feel your co- your quarterbacks did? Both quarterbacks did extremely, extremely well. They both managed the game well. Uh, we did a lot of silent count. We did a lot of freeze count where we act like we we're going to snap the ball and then see what defense does, and you got to have command of the offense to do that, and it's very hard to do with 97,000 fans screaming. But both quarterbacks did a phenomenal job. Uh, they took care of the ball real well, no turnovers as far as interceptions. So they both did a good job. We we're very pleased. Got a lot of work to do. Uh, got a big opponent coming in next week, and uh, so we got a lot of more work to do. Got to make a few more plays, and uh, we'll see what happens. But right now, we're very pleased with both quarterbacks, Worley and Peterman. 
they're doing a phenomenal job. Well, Coach, I, I agree. I, I actually like what I saw with Worley a little bit more than Peterman. Uh, but Worley and Peterman definitely uh, came in very efficient. Uh, but I think, Coach, you may have found a good a good player in, uh, in Neal who rushed for 141 yards. I was really impressed with your running game and your offensive line. It, it really dominated the line of scrimmage, and I, I'm sure you guys are pretty happy with how the, the big guys up front played. Uh, yes, we, we came into the season knowing our strength is our offensive line and uh, the ability to just, just come off the ball and just knock people down. And uh, they did they did that all day long. Rajon, Marlin, Summerhill all came in the game last night and ran the ball pretty well. And it's easy to do when you're going to uh, run it behind five big blocks of stone. We call them just big, gigantic human beings. So it's really easy to do when you got those guys blocking for you, opening up holes. So uh, overall, running game was really good. Rajon had some really good runs. Uh, the receivers blocked really well in the perimeter. Uh, missed a few plays by the Wild as far as blocking. We could have had a couple more touchdowns here or there as far as if the Wild House would have got our blocks. But we're working on it, and we're going to get where we need to go. Well, Coach, just one last thing. I do want to congratulate you and all the Volunteer Nation. Uh, the win was bigger than I think most of us caught. I was actually looking through some stats when I found out. Uh, you guys earned your 800th victory in program history, which is only the eighth school in the nation to ever reach that plateau. So Michigan, Texas, Notre Dame, Nebraska, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, and now Tennessee, 800 victories. Coach, that's got to be something to be proud of right there. Oh, yes. We, we, we're preaching that silently in the media, but we it was a big deal to us. Grad uh, Coach Jones was able to get it. It's a huge deal. It shows the, the tradition that uh, – Tennessee has and the tradition that of winning. Not like you said, only eight programs in the country have done that. And Tennessee is syn- synonymous with winning. And that's one thing we uh getting getting back to because we win here at Tennessee. We've done that ever since the program's been founded and uh that's why we're able to get eight hundred wins. And it was a, a big milestone, so it was a very big uh big day in Knoxville last night. Coach, absolutely want to thank you for coming on. And hey, Coach, you know, ten thousand more people showed up to the last night or Saturday night's game more than the Georgia State game the year before. So uh, that as well is a, is a big milestone for for the coaching staff, Tennessee. Eight hundred victories for the program, Coach. Good job, and we thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. Y'all have a good night. Good night, Coach. Tarvin, uh, eight hundred victories for Tennessee. That and yeah, you know, he said, Coach even said, hey. The media hasn't really, you know, not really out there. But, man, that is a huge milestone that I'm surprised um, that hasn't been picked up more because, I mean, this eight, only eight teams have reached that plateau, and they are all these historic franchises that we consider in the college football, you know, Hall of Fame, if you will. And in Tennessee reached that, eight, 800 victories, and that is impressive, very impressive. Congratulations to all of all the nation on, the, on reaching that milestone. My, my Noles aren't there, so, uh, Carvin, that's a pretty legit company. It is Trey and sorry, uh, I was disconnected in the chat room. Is is the chat room working right now? Yeah, I, I'm I'm seeing it pretty well. Okay, do you see my name in there? I do not, Tarvin. Okay, I've been on the phone with Block Talk Radio real quick, and I had to call back in. Thanks for for talking to Coach Let Trey, and that was a that was a big thing for Tennessee to come out early, and uh, I wanted to get Sonya on there to to say hi to her nephew real quick and. And sorry about that, Sonia, but Block Talk Radio didn't do us right this time. But, Trey, 800 wins is a milestone, but 
you know, it's big to get confidence, especially coming into this Western Kentucky game this week. Western Kentucky is no joke. You know, right now well, it's going to be a, a big game for them to get up for. Now it's, you have to get up for them. There's no walking in, sleepwalking against this team. Well, I mean, they just beat an SEC team. I mean, and that's not that's not reason enough to take that game very seriously. I don't know what is. I mean, Bobby Petrino is a coach who wins uh, at any level that he's coaching. So, I mean, Tennessee with so many big games coming up after this, uh, this is where the coaching staff has to keep their guys focused. Uh, and focus on each opponent one at a time. Uh, congratulations, Coach Lent. Job well done. And I have to admit, Trey, watching Auburn last night, I was looking on my phone trying to see what Tennessee was doing, just so, you know, pulling for him. Michael was with me, my brother-in-law, big Tennessee fan. I mean, they're pumped up about it. And we know it was a smaller team. But, Trey, no penalties in a football game. I mean, I don't care who you play. That's special. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, and that that boils down. If you're a Tennessee fan, there's only one thing uh, that you can give credit to, and that's coaching. It takes an awful lot of coaching. Uh, it takes a lot of film. It takes a lot of guys blowing whistles in practice when guys are messing up to get that kind of discipline. Uh, so that's 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 an incredible milestone for Tennessee, and really a very well uh, overall played game. It was. I mean, congrats again, and pray let's. Let's move on to a big game yesterday that, that happened last night. I got to watch some of it. I'm going to go back tonight or in the morning and watch the entire game. The Georgia Bulldogs went to Clemson, and it was a dogfight. You know, I predicted the you know, the final point total to be 74. They, they scored 73, so I was off by a point. But are you surprised at all that Clemson, you know, pulled this out given Georgia's history? No, I mean, I picked Clemson to win this game. So, I mean, I thought Taj Boyd was going to have the night he did. I mean, 270, three touchdowns. Uh, he really played poised most of the night. I mean, Aaron Murray played a lot better than I thought he was going to play. Uh, and then Gurley uh, really, you know, just really came out on his own uh, for Georgia. I mean, the big thing Clemson is going to have issues with is their defense. Uh, their defense gave a lot of yards to, to Georgia. But uh, definitely was not surprised. And I've got to tell you, the one other thing that was surprising in Clemson was McDowell. I mean, this kid ran 22 t- carries for 132 yards, and he was not a guy who I had my eye on going into that game, Tarvin. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you something, Trey. And Gurley is the best running back in the nation, hands down. I mean, there's there's nobody that I've seen, you know, just watching football that runs as hungry and as hard as he. Do you agree with that statement? Or, or am I way off base here? No, I mean, I mean, I think that's pretty accurate. Well, you know, one thing, you know, Georgia seems like they're snake bit early in the season. They lose their best receiver, uh, Mitchell here, Malcolm Mitchell, celebrating Gurley's 75-yard touchdown trade. He's going for the year. How is this going to impact Georgia? You know, now they got to play South Carolina. They have to play LSU. I mean, it doesn't get easier. I mean, Florida, you name it, they play them and. Georgia's in trouble right now. Well, I mean, it's, it hurts Georgia, but I mean, they have some receiving depth. I mean, he got hurt early in the game. Aaron Murray still threw for over 300 yards. I mean, only nine incomplete passes. I think they're going to be okay when it comes to that. Where I'm still super concerned for Georgia is, is their defense. I mean, they were getting absolutely gashed at times on defense. Uh, it didn't seem to get any better than it was last year for rushing wise. They still gave up a ton of yards on the ground. 
I mean, they, and they still gave up. Um, you know, it was it was those short cutting passes uh, that really, when Sammy Watkins went, you know, to the house. I mean, it wasn't that you know it wasn't really that you know Sammy Watkins was was behind people. It was just that that Georgia was usually. Uh, you know, not playing in the right position. Their defenders couldn't get in the right position. They couldn't. They took wrong angles on tackles. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that'll lose you a lot of games, Tarvin. So that's why I'm so concerned with Georgia. Is their defense does not look like they got any better last year. They did. And they lost a ton of players, and we we expected that. You know, I I predicted that Georgia was going to struggle early until they they get this down. You don't go at night on the road to a team that has the offense that Clemson has and not struggle as a young defense. But I think Georgia learned a lot about their team, you know, through this game. They're not bad off. I mean, they're a good football team. Georgia has 545 yards, not surprised there. I mean, 323 passing, 222 rushing. But look at those penalties, trade nine penalties for 84 yards. I mean, two turnovers. You can't do that on the road against a good team and expect to pull one out. Yeah, I mean, that's – that's for sure that you know penalties will absolutely kill you. But UGA is in trouble. I mean, you know, I predicted them to go 0 and 2. I'm I'm staying by my uh, my stance on that. You know, so, so I, I look at they're in trouble. South Carolina. You know, here comes Clowney in South Carolina. Uh, you know, I just it's not going to get any easier, Tarvin, because South Carolina can play defense far better than Clemson can. And so, um, you know, if they're giving up yards but they're getting stopped, it's going to be a huge issue for Georgia because right now. Their strength is that they can score with anybody, and so uh, if they can they can score like they did in, against Clemson, they, they might be okay against South Carolina. But if they can't, um, then they can't get into a defensive game, Tarvin. Well, I mean, tell me about Taj Boyd and what he did last night to solidify. You know, people talking about him being in the Heisman race. Do you think his performance was a Heisman performance? Oh, ab- absolutely. I think Taj Boyd. I mean, if you're talking about the two guys right now who I am most impressed with when it comes to, to who came out in week one and earned that Heisman buzz. I mean, it's, it's Taj Boyd in the second with Teddy Bridgewater today, who Bridgewater yep, looked yep. freaking incredible. <laughs> uh, and he I did. I'm, I'm, sold. I'm sold on Bridgewater, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I know it's Ohio, and you can tell me it's Ohio all day long, but to complete that many passes and look that good doing it, um, that's something, and I'll, you know, I've I've seen this kind of stuff before earlier in this year. Last year it was West Virginia doing this, so there's a long season to go. But right now, Carmen, you know, we're we're in the instant feedback loop of of media and Twitter and everything. So instant feedback, Bridgewater and Taj Boyd are my yeah. top two right now coming off performances this week. My, my top three is both of what you named, but barely for Georgia. I mean, I know they lost the game, but my gosh. What a what a runner he is! But Bridgewater, guys, I'll admit when I'm wrong about a player. I'm not one of these. I'm not going to sit here and bash him for, you know, for 12 weeks. I know their schedule's weak and everything, but Trey, some of those throws Bridgewater made, my gosh, I mean, it was just insane. I mean, those were NFL throws. He's ready, you know, next year when he goes in, he's going to be a, a a high draft pick in my opinion. I mean, he's 23 for 28, and he didn't throw five yard passes, Trey. He was throwing bullets. 355 yards, average 12.7, five touchdowns. He did throw a pick, Trey, but 615 total yards of offense from Louisville, that's domination, man. I mean, they held Ohio. Ohio's the same team that went into Happy Valley last year 
and beat Penn State handedly. So I'm very impressed with Louisville today, the way they took care of business coming out. They weren't flat. I mean, they, they picked up where they left off in that bowl game against Florida. Yeah, I mean, Bridgewater was phenomenal. I mean, so – and that schedule doesn't get a whole lot harder. <laughs> so, you know, you got to be real happy if you're Louisville. They came in and, and played exactly how they needed to play. Bridgewater, 23 of 28, five incompletions. <laughs> Tarvin, that's impressive. Now, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going I'm to find something to knock um, Louisville on. And I think they had they had Bridgewater in the game way too long. And I think when you're you're Louisville – um, you don't necessarily need to run up the score at this point, which I kind of I kind of felt they were in the third quarter they needed to do, at least they thought they needed to do uh, when it was late in the third quarter. But if you're Louisville, just you got to keep calm and keep Bridgewater healthy because he is your future. Yeah, and and look, I, I'm not Bridgewater is not going to be a, probably a top two player in the draft, and I'll, I'm still by that. But as far as impressing what he's done, and Paul, I mean, I, I mean, if he has a life or something, I don't know if he sits by and thinks of every word I say or writes it down. But usually he's wrong everything he does repeat I say. But anyway, Bridgewater's a good player, Trey. I mean, he's a he's a great player right now. But let's see what twelve games does. I mean, he's going to have to prove it week in and week out, and that's something that. But I don't know if he will do, but he should do. The over-under, Vegas had Louisville trade, and I think it's a gift, really. Vegas was giving people a gift. It was 10 and a half. And if you look at that win total, they should lose no more than one. So there you go. That'll be 11 and one. You still win the bet. So safe bet there. And I'm going to bring Big E on. He's been on hold for five minutes. Big E, what's going on, bud? Oh, not a whole lot. What are y'all doing? Oh, talking to football. Yeah, I what did you think about Bridgewater today? I think y'all giving him the Heisman way too early. He ain't played nobody. He ain't going to play nobody. Uh, I was much more impressed with Taj Boyd. The throw he made down the sideline was a big-time NFL throw. You won't see many quarterbacks anywhere in the country to make the throw he made against Georgia. Now, I don't want to give Clemson the ACC title yet, neither, because Georgia's pitiful on defense. And I finally agree with Trey on something. Uh, Georgia didn't get any better on defense, and I don't know that they will get any better. And they won't. They will not beat South Carolina because they can't stop South Carolina. They can't stop nobody. Uh, they're they're terrible on defense. And you brought up a point about the penalties, Rick. I, I like Rick. I always have liked him, but you know, there's got to be some discipline somewhere. And you know, year after year, Georgia leads a conference or finishes in the top three in penalties, and that's just. You know, if you're a Georgia fan, to me that's unacceptable. So on a yeah. on a different note, I was not happy with Alabama's performance. Their offensive line was terrible, which that always concerns me when you replace three starters, especially three NFL caliber starters. Uh, you know, you're going to go go through like Saban said some growing pains. But uh, I, I'm hoping that the talent down there will will supersede the inexperienced, and they will get better between now and the third week, because if there's one game I want to win this year, it's week three. I can't stand Johnny Manziel. He's arrogant. I don't care who he plays. If he played for Alabama, I hate him. I would hate his guts. He's arrogant. He's cocky. He's He thinks he's above the law, and I cannot stand him. I wish somebody. I don't care who. I don't care if it's Auburn. I don't care if it's LSU. I wish somebody would knock his teeth out the back of his head. I cannot stand that guy. 
yeah, so, right. so, so what, what do you think of Manziel's? And we, and, we, and we talked about this a minute. We won't talk about it just for a second. But what do you think about Manziel's annex yesterday on the field signing autographs? I think if I was his best offensive lineman, I'd got him in the locker room and pulled his head off his shoulders. That's what I would have done. Yeah. If I if I, if I was some, I, I I'm glad some someone set him down when he when he got that unsportsmanlike. I I I thought someone finally showed a set uh, by setting him down. Uh, you know he's not going to set him down against Alabama, but if it was me, I'd probably set him down for the next game just to prove a point. Uh, they could fire me if they wanted to, but it it would become a matter of principle for me that. He would not. He would not walk away thinking that he was above anybody else on that football team. You you've played sports, Tarvin. You know as well as I do. The team comes before any individual. If you won't have a successful year, the team has to come before the individual. It's 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 not that way by fate. It's not that way by luck. It's not that way by chance. That's the way it has to be if you want to win championships. And if I'm Sumlin, I set him down for the next game. You can't set him down against Alabama because, you know, as disappointed as I was with Alabama's performance offensively, the good news is we still won by 25. So we're pretty good in other places. So, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping that we get to knock his head off his shoulders when we play him. I want to see somebody rattle that head point, uh, bring him back down to reality because, Obviously, that boy never had no discipline at home. He wouldn't have survived at my household. My daddy would have killed him. Uh, well, Everett, if you're the NCAA right now, real quick, before we move on to another game, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you you let this guy off with a slap on the wrist. Nothing's closed. You know, they're still going to look into it. And if any evidence comes up, you know, they can they can come back. But doesn't that give you a little more motivation to, to come and get something on this guy? Well, it would be it would be if it was me or you, Tarvin. But you ain't talking about me or you. You talking about the NCAA? They're a joke. They, you know, they they shouldn't even be a they shouldn't even be an organization. They ought to somebody ought to go in there and take all the desks and computers and pencils and papers and pads and everything out of there and just close that place down because it's useless. I mean, you gonna tell me that they couldn't find something on Manziel? And they're gonna go in and give a penalty to Penn State that don't have nothing to do with their jurisdiction. That was absolutely ludicrous. And me and you've talked about Penn State before. That was a, that was an issue that needed to be handled by the courts. It didn't need to be handled by the NCAA. Those kids on that football team at Penn State and those coaches on that on that staff that was there last year did not have anything to do with this. That, those kids in that university that go to school there that support that football team didn't have anything to do with what happened. At Penn State, they that was something that should have been handled by the courts. On the other hand, you get something that should be handled by the NCAA, and they give him a half game suspension. Now, I understand that they're scared because they're afraid they're gonna get sued by the Manzels. But you know, it's kind of like this, Tarvin. It's kind of like if you're the the weak kid on the block, and the bully keeps picking on you. Sooner or later, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to either choose to let him whoop your butt every day or you're going to have to come out of the corner fighting real hard and just make a stand one day. And you know if you make that stand, it's time to go in right there because he ain't going to match with you no more once he says you'll fight back. NCAA don't want to fight back. 
They don't want to fight nobody that's going to fight back. They're big bullies. That's all they are. They're, bu- they're bullies. They want to pick on people that ain't going to fight back. Anybody that threatens them or threatens to sue them or, or fight back, they don't want to fool with them because they, they're afraid they're going to lose because they're a joke. They, they don't have any ideas to how to run that, that place. Um, it's it's absolutely, uh, to me, why would you even give somebody a half-game suspension? I mean, what was the point? I mean, yeah, I agree. What, what, I mean, if you're gonna give him a half game suspension, then just screw it, let him play. I mean, all right, Biggie, Biggie, we got some background noise, and we're gonna go to a commercial break real quick. Have you ever seen right a picture on the internet and just think to yourself, "I'd love to have that on a shirt," or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt? Well, ActionWare Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. ActionWare, where your design comes to life. All right, we are back. And, Trey, I mean, college football is back and, you know, we one dis, didn't disappoint. We just talked about Bridgewater throwing those five touchdown passes. I mean, he looked good. He's my front runner right now as of week one that comes back. I mean, is he your number one? Yeah, I mean, it's a week-by-week week evaluation. And, you know, yeah. as we learned last year when we were doing this, that week-by-week week can change. But right now it's Bridgewater. I agree with you. It's Bridgewater, uh, Boyd, and, and Gurley right now. I think those are the three that really impressed me this week. Yeah, let's go to the uh, another team that impressed me this week, LSU going to a neutral side. I mean, they they never disappoint. They they play some tough teams early in their schedule. They don't shy away from anybody. TCU is not a powerhouse by no means right now, but Trey LSU was only favored four or five points in this game, and the second half they played very well, outscored TCU twenty-one to seventeen. But tell us what you think about LSU. Yeah, I mean, LSU, they did what they were supposed to do. I mean, they were a better team, and they won by 10 uh, in a neutral site. So um, they they didn't impress me, Tarvin. They played like I thought they should. Um, Mettenberger is still what I think he is. He was terribly inconsistent at times. At other times, he made throws, and I was like, whoa, where'd that throw come from? Um, they're still a team who's got very good running back depth. I mean, even without Hill playing, I thought McGee and Blue played pretty well, opposite that one fumble. Um, but this is a team that, that was able to play better on defense than TCU was, and especially in the second half. They made a lot more plays. You had that 52-yard run from McGee. Um, you know, just they played better. And I, I was surprised um, uh, at the quarterback rotation for TCU. I didn't think it really worked all that well. I thought that, you know, that was one of those times where um, Gary Patterson, it seemed to me that the quarterbacks were off sync. So um, they, they seemed to come in at wrong times or they seemed to be, at, you know, Boykin played well, but he, was, he didn't seem very efficient at 50%, you know, passing rating. So, Tarvin, I, I think TCU has some work to do this year, and that, that game sort of showed uh, me that Gary Patterson has a lot of tinkering to do with that team, and it showed me that LSU is still who we think they are. Yeah, and hey, real quick, the call at number six four six seven one six five five six four. If you'd like to call in and and ask us a question, share what you thought of the week one, let us know. And Trey, I, I don't know if I I had to clear the wax out of my ears, but did Big E said he agreed with you on something though? Yeah, I think we should all, have all written that down, Tarvin, because I think that's the first all time. All write it down. Happened. 
<laughs> I'll write this down on August 31st, or no, this is September 1st. We're in September now. September 1st, Ever Pratt said that Trey Patterson, you know, he agreed with him. And it's something that's never been said. He gives you a lot of hate. You know, kind of like Tino, Trey. Tino and Ever give you a lot of hate. I don't know why. Yeah, and now I'm getting some from uh, from, from people in the chat room said that LSU didn't impress me. I'm sorry. Uh, they didn't. LSU did not. They played like they should have. They were they were a better team than TCU, and they should have played like it. And uh, you know, TCU is is not a, an elite Big Twelve team. They were finished what to go third or fourth in the Big Twelve. So I mean, you know, yeah. I think that you know, I, I'm, I'm ha- you know, LSU played the way they should have, and I think that's what needs to be said about LSU right now. Yeah. Oh, Big E, thanks for calling in, bud. I mean, Big E likes to jump all over the map. That's one thing about Big E. He'll come in, he'll be talking Alabama Auburn, he'll come and talk about Mike Tyson or something, you know. One thing you got to love about Big E, you have to keep him, in, <laughs> keep him in line sometimes. He likes to go on and on about stuff. But, um, the Trey LSU and Mettenberger, I know this is a, a new system they have with Cameron in place here, but 16 to 32, 251, one touchdown and no picks. I'll give him that. He didn't throw any picks, but do you think he was impressive at all? I wasn't very high on him after last night's game. Some of the chat room uh, comments I'm getting is I just have to read this. It's getting it's kind of funny. Uh, Brian Berg just told me that that I am who he thought I was, and that I'm not very impressive. So yeah, you know, I'm not even hating <laughs> on LSU, Tarvin, and I'm getting hate uh, in the chat room. Yeah, I'm not even hating on LSU. I'm just. Yeah, I'm sorry. They beat TCU by 20. I'd be impressed, but they they beat a good team by 10. Uh, I'm not impressed with Mettenberger. He played the exact way he played last year, inconsistent at times. Um, less 50% completion percentage. He didn't turn the ball over, which is good. But you know, he made some throws that did impress me. And Mettenberger made a couple of throws in the fourth quarter that I thought were, you know, it's like wow, that's that's Mettenberger from the from the Alabama game, and then he would fall back the next play, and it's like hey, that's Mettenberger from every other game. So, you know, LSU is still inconsistent when it comes to their quarterback play, but they have a lot of a lot of reasons to be happy with the running game. Yeah, and look, I mean, I I have LSU. What did I have them Trey, eight and four this year? Um, predicted, I believe. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but. But, you know, I had them covering this line against TCU. I just thought they were more talented, and, and LSU seems to play good. But as far as have I changed my mind on LSU where they are, no. I mean, they lost a lot on defense, and I think once they start playing teams with better offense, I mean, I, I just think they they could struggle a little bit. And I just I don't have faith in Mettenberger to really take control of the game. So, LSU, congratulations, you won that game, and that was a good opponent you played week one that – if I'm an LSU fan, I'm not just sold yet. I mean, LSU plays their best when they're under the radar, so we'll see. Um, we'll see, and Paul did confirm that I did have them 8-4. Trey, is that a stretch, really? I mean, after watching last night's game, would it be? Would you be shocked if they did go 8-4? Yeah, I, I think they're going um, <laughs> to – I just got told I'm an okay radio <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> I think LSU. I, I and you know, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. I I predicted LSU to finish better than you did. I think at eight and four. So I mean, I think maybe you know, TCU was a quality opponent. Um, certainly much better than most people played in their week one. So it's a good win for LSU. But um, I just think that uh, yeah. And so yeah, there, Brian. I have LSU going ten and two. So why aren't you hitting on Tarvin who had him going eight and four? That's all I'm saying. 
Brian, Brian's just playing with you, Trey. He's just playing with you, man. That's how Brian does it. He's a good guy. He's a good LSU fan. So that's why I love this show, man. You get you get busted. Somebody gets busted every week. Tonight I had to choose Paul, single him out, and then I had to come to Trey, and then now Trey's getting it. He got some love for me, and now Brian's busting his chops. So, I mean, you just got to love it. Way in sports talk. It's a happening place, Trey. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. All I'm saying is, is uh, you know, I would, if I, if you're, uh, if you're LSU and, and Brian, don't, don't, don't buy your national championship tickets just yet. So, they get a lot of work to do. Um, but well, Trey, I like it on the ground for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll keep on LSU, but you did bring up something in the chat room, and I did have it on my list here to talk about. You know, Nebraska, thirty-one and a half point favorite at home against Wyoming. Trey, they pull it out 37 to 34. And I mean, I see no change in the Nebraska team from last year. The team that got, they played inconsistent and got railroaded by Wisconsin. Still, I mean, this is not, you know, the black shirts here. This is not a tough defense. How do you give up 34 points to Wyoming and pull one out when you're 31 and a half point favorites? Yeah, I mean, my my wife, uh, she was actually telling me about this game. I didn't watch the game, but all my, my wife's family did. And what she told me was this, Tarvin, was uh, the, the defense played Olay style. She said that every time uh, they had a chance to wrap somebody up, they didn't, uh, that they looked very poor on defense. They got just just poor angles, poor tackling all the way around. And that kind of shows in, the, in your box score. If you're looking at the stats from the rest of the game, you have to be like, wow. Um, Smith for Wyoming threw for 383 yards and four touchdowns. And they had a guy who ran Wick over 100 yards, another guy, the quarterback, Smith, who almost ran for 100 yards. So, I mean, if you're in Nebraska and you're a fan, there are a lot of things to worry about on defense. Uh, you know, on offense, you have some things to, to be okay about. You had two guys over 100 yards rushing, and Taylor Martinez had, had almost had 80 himself. Uh, but he's still Taylor Martinez, 17 for 22, 155 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. So he played okay. Uh, and in this game, it should have been a 37-3 game. So, uh, the black shirt defense certainly is not there right now, and they have a lot of work to do on defense. So, you know, Tarvin, if Nebraska for the Big Ten right now, you know, not looking good for their chances to win it, but uh, still week one, a lot of just a lot of things to have to overcome on defense. Yeah, not not real high on Nebraska. I mean, my gosh. I mean, how long does Bellini stay here, Trey? I mean, that'll tell you a lot seeing that kind of score given up against Nebraska. When you're when you're that big of a favorite, that would be like, I mean, Alabama giving up that many points to Virginia Tech in a way, if you look at it. I'm I'm very disappointed in Pelini. If, if Nebraska thinks they're going to win the Big Ten this year, they have another thing coming. Yeah, and you know, Paul brought up a good point. Both of us had Nebraska and 10-2. It, it may be time to reevaluate. Um, and, you know, certainly we're, we do that a lot, Tarvin. But, uh, you know, Nebraska just – you know, this is not the team I thought they were coming in this year and Taylor Martinez's senior year. So, the reevaluation may be had, Tarpon. Well, I mean, it's preseason. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people at Oregon State ranked, Boise State ranked. You know, preseason's preseason. I mean, you just you give your best guess based on what you can look at on paper. Until you sit on the field, you don't know. But, you know, Trey, you know, through Sonia's league here, pick them. I was 10-0 and this weekend, and then – you know, eight and two on Chris Smelly's with the point spreads, and and nobody beat the host this week, Trey. So obviously we're doing something right. Well, absolutely, absolutely, Tarvin. So I think uh, I leave one game to talk about. I think Tarvin. Who's that? 
Bama? Yeah, and, and just before we get to there, Tarvin, I do want to mention, uh, you know, I was unimpressed with Ohio State as well. Braxton Miller, 15 for 22, 178 yards, two touchdowns, uh, 20-point victory for Ohio State. Uh, they called off the dogs uh, relatively late in the game. Uh, so for for Ohio State, Tarvin, it's another another opponent that they didn't really wow me with. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And uh, another game I'd like to just hit on real quick, Oregon. Trey took care of business. A lot of Oregon fans are pumped up with that big victory over Nickel State. Were you pumped up? <laughs> Not, I mean, I, I was I was impressed by what Mariota did in that offense, for sure. Yeah, but we're going to talk about one more game real quick. And since it's a holiday, we're going to cut it a little short tonight. Uh, we started a little late. We can't have people up till, you know, one in the morning. So, Trey, is that okay if we talk about Bama and come in Wednesday night with a full slate? Yeah, just before we get to Bama, too, Tarrant, you know, there is one more college football game tomorrow night in Florida State at Pitt. Uh, it's a oh. chance for uh, for all the Florida State fans to see their young quarterback, but it should be a uh, should be easy for Florida State if Winston is any good. Should be easy. Well, first week, new quarterback on the road. Man, it's going to be tricky. I did I did pick Florida State to cover the ten and a half when we picked them, but it's going to be a, a a challenge for Penn State. And I mean, I think it's a good opponent, you know, given the situation with a quarterback on the road. I mean, Pittsburgh is not a a powerhouse by no means, but if you play flat, Trey, and Florida State makes penalties like they're prone to do, they could be in trouble. Well, and it's all going to come down to Winston. I mean, how good is he? You know, if he is then the next coming of Charlie Ward, um, they'll win this game by over 10. If, if he's not, this game could be a very big struggle. Um, Demo Fisher said that he liked the fact that you have a young freshman quarterback opening up on the road. There's less distractions when you're on the road, but you're not at home. So we'll have to see if Jimbo, that was all talk, or if, you know, being on the road for a freshman quarterback really is good. And just Brian Burgess is in the chat room blasting Paul now. He's having fun with you guys tonight. I'm glad he hasn't, he hasn't picked on me tonight. So, Brian, if you're in there listening, do not pick on me tonight, okay? But Florida State, I do have him winning, guys. I, I mean, until I see him on the field, until I see Winston Trey, I'm just going to – you know, pick the game and go on. But I still want to see this kid. I mean, he's got the entire country looking at him tomorrow night. Everybody, Every college football fan in the world is going to be watching him. So this is a time for him to really make his name. Well, I mean, it's Winston time in Tallahassee. So, you know, I, I've been very uh, hesitant uh, to, to anoint him with anything. I've been, been you know, sold old wise tales and magic order before down in Tallahassee. And so I'm going to wait and see what happens on the field, Tarvin, but definitely excited to see what the kid has on national TV. Okay. Me too. And, and guys, Alabama, Trey, I, I saw a picture on Facebook. I'm at Auburn and I look and I see a picture with Trey, uh, posing over there at the Chick-fil-A game, uh, the kickoff classic. So what were you doing and watching this game? Who are you pulling for? Well, uh, you know, I wore a neutral color. I'll tell I'll tell you that. But I, but I definitely rolled tide uh, as a game. We we were uh, sorry, my kid's toy went off. We were definitely uh, <laughs> at a good position, right on the fifty yard line, Tarvin. Uh, I will tell you that uh, I, I was not impressed with Alabama, and uh, now I'm gonna get some hate in Alabama. But 
Uh, here's what bothered me about what I saw in Alabama. Uh, one is that offensive line got pushed around quite a bit. Um, they were able to – Virginia Tech was able to get penetration. Four was just amazing. I mean, that kid was all over the place. Um, but Alabama's front, front line isn't as good as they were last year. They got a lot of work to do. So, Tarvin, I mean, one of the things if you're Alabama is that that offensive line has to get better because if they're getting pushed around by Virginia Tech a little bit, it's going to get worse when you play at the SEC. Well, I'm sure Paul wrote this down the other night when I when I talked about the matchup with Virginia Tech's defense against the the new offensive line of Alabama, that that did concern me if I was an Alabama fan. Uh, Bud Foster uh, coming in with a plan. He's He's been there a long time. He knows how to coach. And I think it was a very good test for Alabama going into a bye week before they play Texas A&M to let them know where they are. I mean, Nick Saban loved that game, Trey. I think you know, seeing his team struggle on offense, it lets them know that hey, you're you're not you you are human. You can be beat. And yeah, they they dominated that game. It was never in question. But Virginia Tech didn't have an offense either, which you know Scott Leffler was their offensive coordinator last year, and I'm sure Saban wasn't very worried, but. A.J. McCarron only throwing for 110 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, Trey. I mean, was it the offensive line that caused A.J. to struggle? No, and that, that's the other thing is, is A.J. McCarron had happy feet last night. Uh, I was watching him in the pocket. He had the same – and he had time, a lot of times uh, at, at, during the night where he had five or six seconds in the pocket. So even this, you know, banged up with this, this new line was giving him time. Uh, and, and when he when he dropped back and his five three or five step drops, he was throwing the ball all over the place. He wasn't on target a lot of times in the game. He was missing open receivers. I mean, Cooper was open a lot. I mean, Cooper was the only guy open a lot for Alabama, but he wasn't hitting him in stride a lot. So McCarron was not um, impressive. He he actually missed a lot of throws that he should have made, uh, and he actually missed open receivers a couple of times. He had guys open eight nine yards in the flat wide open, and he, he would throw deeper uh, to a guy who was double-covered. So, I mean, McCarron's got a lot of game to watch, uh, like a game tape, Tarvin, because, I mean, he has some throws he has to improve upon. He has some reads he needs to make. So if you're Alabama and you don't like the fact that McCarron was 10 for 23, uh, but I will tell you, Tarvin, on the flip side of that, I haven't seen a quarterback so terrible in college football playing for a large university as I saw in Logan Thomas. The worst quarterback yeah. I think I've ever seen in D1. He had receivers that were like 10 yards wide open at times, including that deep ball early in the game, and he couldn't hit any of them. I mean, he <laughs> had people, people still compare him to Cam Newton, Trey. That they were still comparing <laughs> him to Cam Newton on TV, and when I was listening to it, and they said, no, he doesn't. I mean, Cam Newton can actually throw. He's faster. He's bigger. <laughs> no. I mean, it's, Logan Thomas is terrible. You said – I was about to say that. I mean, but if you're Alabama, Trey, I mean, the best thing that could have happened happened. you got to win, but you also – I mean, you have to be concerned, and, and Nick Saban has two weeks to, you know, to try to improve this team before they go into Texas A&M. If they play like they did last night, Trey, what do you think is going to happen if they go to College Station? Well, I mean, it's going to be tough because, I mean, Alabama's defense is still pretty good. I mean, the, the defense did play some pretty pretty good shutdown uh, at times, and they needed to. Uh, the, the, the fact is that that defensive uh, see, that defensive backfield for Bama was giving guys room in the secondary. And I don't know if it was because – you know, you never know if it's because the secondary 
uh, was actually just getting beat uh, at times or if they really had no respect for Logan Thomas. I mean, if I was in the defensive secondary, I'll tell you, I would have no confidence that Logan Thomas was going to beat me either with a guy who's wide open. So, yeah, I'm not sure what to make of the defense for Alabama because they looked pretty good at times, and even when they got beat, you know, the, the Virginia Tech couldn't do anything with it. Uh, so, we, you know, still evaluating the, the defense for Alabama. I mean, they looked pretty good. Um, but, Tarvin, I mean, Virginia Tech is in, a, is in an awful, awful state. I mean, Logan Thomas is horrible. Yeah, but one thing I will say, though, that, that Virginia Tech, you have to tip their hat for that defensive performance. They held Alabama. I mean, it looked like LSU out there that year when they were playing each other. I mean, that's how in sync that defense was. That's how hard they played. I mean, I was impressed with Virginia Tech's defense. I know we take away, we talk about the offensive line of Alabama, but I think we need to tip our hats to Bud Foster and that Virginia Tech team for showing up. Those guys acted like they belonged in that game. The defense did, but how long can a defense play with that intensity, 12 games playing with Logan Thomas as your quarterback? It's not going to be good, and We'll let Sonia come on and talk about Alabama real quick, give her point of view before we go. Sonia, roll tide. Roll tide, roll, baby. Trey, <laughs> I was about to just light into you with this whole neutral <laughs> colors thing, but you did say you said roll tide, so I'll excuse you. I'll send you a cookie. <laughs> yeah, I said roll tide a lot, Sonia, actually. And we uh, we were in a pretty good uh, – we were in Alabama area. It was actually three Bruni Tech fans who sat next to me. I'll tell you – the one thing, too, is, is the fans from both sides were pretty awesome to each other. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I, and I'm glad you said that because if I said it, I'd be a homer. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure there were people who didn't get a good experience, but I sat in a Virginia Tech, Alabama section. Half the people I was with were rooting for Virginia Tech just because they had nothing else to do. Uh, and another, you know, so it was there was no animosity. Everybody was cool. Uh, with each other, so I, was, I had a good experience with the game. You know, no, no bad Alabama fans on this end for me. Oh yeah, well, one thing about Bama fans, um, you know, the majority of the time, and if you if you talk to most neutral people, they will say that most Bama fans, we we do have our lower tier fans, but most Bama fans, we have fun whether we win or lose. If we win, it's a great game. If we lose, it's like, hey, congrats, you know. So we leave it at the at the stadium when it's over, but. On to the game, <laughs> and I've got to say that Trey, I can't believe this is what like three shows in a row that I've agreed with you, Trey. I know it's getting scary. I'm yeah. at least I'm back. Something's wrong here, but I'm going to speak from the Bama fans' point of view, okay? And, and I wish my my angry gopher, my hubby, was awake, but he's sleeping right now. Um, as we were watching the game, you know, there were times. Of course, all Bama fans are glad that we won. Let's let's not forget that. We're glad that we won. We're always glad with a W. But what people need to understand, because there were a lot of people on the board last night, because, of course, you know, I post on Facebook during the game, and there were a lot of people saying, you know, calm down, Bama fans. You guys are winning and, and you know, telling us to back off and everything's okay. And we're like, no, you don't understand. From an Alabama fan's point of view, Bama has a standard that we are used to seeing. So when we see something below that standard, we don't care if we're ahead or not. <laughs> we're not happy. And it's not like we're bashing the O-line or anything like that because we know we have trust in Nick. We have faith in Nick. We know he's going to you know, get him together. But from my personal point of view, I'm looking at my quarterback who I need. Okay, let's just be honest. We need A.J. And if I see my quarterback on his behind three times in one game, 
I'm concerned. It was just, it's it's like, I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if there was some chemistry or some, some different positions, but you're looking at A.J., who is the, the quarterback for a team that won two back-to-back national championships, and I just look and I go, this this is not the O-line I'm used to seeing. And even I saw Barrett Jones up in the stands, they showed a picture of him, and I was like, Barrett, go suit up. I mean, seriously. <laughs> but I do have to give props. I give major, major props to Virginia Tech's defense. Those guys, I don't know if it's because the media was so down on them, but they came prepared to play. They gave us a game. Their defense, hey, top-notch. I give them much, much credit. Um, as far as everything else, you know, the O-line needs some work. We'll work on that. You know, give us two weeks. Uh, Saban's got two weeks. He'll be fine. Defense, great. A couple of times they could have done some, some things better, but sincerely, those guys, they were great. Christian Jones. <laughs> I give You guys know how I am about giving my cookies. Yesterday I gave Christian Jones a cookie, a cake, a pie, a Twinkie. He can have anything he wants. <laughs> when you run two returns back for a touchdown, catch a touchdown. He was just awesome. He really showed up, showed out. He was the highlight of the game for me. I was really, really glad to see him play. Um, As far as everything else, it's just one of those things where I think as Bama fans, we've gotten kind of spoiled. I mean, I'm going to be honest. We've gotten spoiled because we're so used to that dominating, you know, Bama comes in and for the last couple of seasons, you know, we hold our opponents to zero points, and we're out there, and we're slamming, and we're hammering. So to see another team, especially a team like Virginia Tech, come into, you know, to our house, which is basically what we consider the Georgia Dome, to see them come in and do so much, it really, really makes you think. So you have to kind of step back and say, okay, you know, let me slow down. So that's the, that's the, the point of view from most Bama fans. But are we worried? No. We know Nick Saban, things like this have happened before, even after the TAMU game, after that loss. They make some changes, make some tweaks, things will go back. We've got TAMU on the 14th, and after watching TAMU and Rice yesterday, and it's like I said earlier, TAMU's defense, they had six starters out. Those are their backups, and those guys could not stop Rice. If you can't stop Rice, and and hopefully AJ you know gets his head in the game. I don't know what was going on with him yesterday, but I just if they can get it together, I don't see Tamu's defense stepping up and stopping our our offense. Not the offense that played last night, but the offense that should have played last night. Yeah, I mean it was a it was a it was a game that that Nick Saban's going to use to motivate for two weeks. I mean, he wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. I mean, that's the best thing, in my opinion, that could happen to Alabama. If you want to get your players' attention, now's your time if you're Nick Saban. And, Sonia, I want to thank you for coming on. And uh, tell Jason in the morning we missed him, and and, uh, we'll see you all Wednesday night. All right, sweetie. You got to take care. Night, Trey. Night, Night. Sonia. All right, Sonia, thanks for calling in. Trey, I mean – I mean, this was an interesting week. I mean, we we figured out that that Louisville may be better than what people thought in a way. We found out Alabama, you know, they are human. You know, it's like Rocky Four when when you hit the Russian and cut him. I mean, now it's time for Nick Saban to you know to to motivate and to do what he does best. But 
you know, it's going to be fun. Week two, Trey, I'm, and I'm going to let you handle these games. You know, a lot of things happened last week. Are you ready to pick your NFL and your college games this week? Yeah, I am, Tarvin. Uh, it's been a, I mean, it's been a rough week for me and my family. For those who know, I appreciate the prayers and the thought. Uh, everything isn't isn't okay for my family and us. Uh, we're still dealing with it, and we're going to be dealing with it for a long time here. So I appreciate everybody um, sending me messages and those who are sending uh, sending stuff to my parents. Uh, a lot of people are mailing stuff and getting addresses, so I appreciate that as well. But Tarvin, I mean, it is a good distraction. This is what football is all about. When you're having stuff going on, uh, it's nice to be able to take a step back, watch a little football, get, get entertained. It's certainly uh, why we watch the sport is to have that great entertainment value of football. And I'm ready to put those games to paper, Tarvin. I'm ready for a week where we have NFL and college football for sure. So well, I'll tell you with Trey's picks, they're, they're different than mine, and this is this is Trey's baby. He doesn't use point spreads in the game. Am I correct? Did you change your mind on that, or are you just going straight up? No point spreads, buddy. Okay, so I'll let you take control of that, see? I mean, that's one of the things you like. I like the point spreads, but, you know, either way is fine. But you always do a great job of getting us the games. And, and Trey, NFL starts Thursday night. We have Denver and Baltimore. So this week's preview, we're going to preview not only the college games, but we get to do the NFL, which is, is very exciting to me. Yeah, we still have one more uh, one more division in the NFL we can hit real quick before we get into the games this week. So we'll have to do that on Wednesday as well. But that won't take long at all, Tarvin. So no. uh, we, we don't. For those who have read it, we've gotten uh, some some people saying that we haven't finished it out yet. We'll finish it out on Wednesday. Yeah, we we know what we're doing over here. Sometimes, don't we? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Hey, well, what what time's our draft in the morning? Is it going to be nine uh, nine Eastern or ten Eastern? Did you change it? It's going to be nine Eastern in the morning, which is uh, eight Eastern. Uh, first hour is 8 Central for me, and then for my, some people out on the West Coast, even going to be even earlier. Uh, but, Tarvin, so, you know, our fantasy football draft is tomorrow. Uh, Tarvin, I'd like to congratulate you on a, a good baseball season, but you were eliminated from the playoffs this week as we start the playoffs next week in baseball. So how do you feel about being eliminated from the playoffs, Tarvin? I didn't know that. Did I not win tonight? You did, but uh, you're under 500 in the playoffs start this week. So, you just couldn't oh, pull I it am out. 500. Right? I am 500. One game under, buddy. One game under. Oh, I'm, I'm 11 and 11. Let me see I'm here. I'm 255, 255 to 237. So you don't, you, you don't try to eliminate the champion, Trey. You let him in the playoffs. You know, I've had, <laughs> I've had more injuries this year, guys. Let me tell you about it in fantasy than I have of any, and you have to agree with that, Trey. I've had more injuries that. And I've pieced together a team, and, and my coaching ability has got me to the playoffs. You, you can't leave a 500 team out of the playoffs, sir. Yeah, if we have three weeks left, I'm going to have to reevaluate. Uh, we, as a good commissioner, I always like to have more teams in. So I'll reevaluate that, see what I can do. If we have three weeks left, you might be in, Tarvin. <laughs> so See, yeah, now, now, Paul, Sonia, all you listening, Jason, Brian, uh, I'm going to win the World Series now. Trey already eliminated me, you know, on air, trying to call me out. And um, it's going to be fun to see. But fantasy tomorrow, Trey, the question goes, who is your last drop? You're the commissioner. You're, you failed to, la- to drop your last player. I need to know who it's going to be. You're, you're past the deadline. Well, uh, am I really? I haven't, I haven't looked at it today. I'll look at it later on today. Is there? I don't. I don't. I think I'm still waiting on some drops, though. 
feel like I haven't had all the drops yet. So, yeah, I'll tell you, Tarvin, it's probably uh, not going to be Tony Romo, so don't worry about that. Well, I know who you're going to drop, and, and I need some advice in the chat room real quick. You know, I have the first pick in this keeper league, and I need a running back, and the running back available right now, and Trey, I believe you're going to drop one. And uh, Ray Rice is out there. Uh, let's see, Ridley for New England, Stephen Jackson, Reggie Bush. Who would you take? Frank Gore's out there as well. So people in the chat room, let me know. Um, who do you take right here? Do you take Ray Rice? I think Ray Rice, Rice is hard to take. Yeah, I think Ray Rice would go with Adrian Peterson very well in complimenting. Uh, but Paul's right; he just got paid, so you never know what can happen. But one player I'm going to give you, Trey, and everybody out there, the running back for Green Bay. Just wanted your opinion on him, real quick. The guy from well, Alabama. You know who I'm talking Lacey. about? Yeah, Lacey. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be pretty good this year. He's in a break. Uh, He's going to break the Green Bay Packers' streak of 42 straight games and not having 100 yards. I don't know if he's going to do it in game one, but he'll do it pretty soon. I think Lacey is going to be a phenomenal running back this year for Green Bay. I really do believe he's made for the NFL. He's got a lot of power, strength, speed. He's got it all. And it's going to be a tough decision on me to get that first pick tomorrow, Trey, but you know it's going to be a good one. So there's a lot of people out there. I don't know who – I need you to drop that running back for Philadelphia, McCoy. Go ahead and do that tonight. Yeah, so I'm going to make a drop, and so does Corey. So there's one more player out there. I knew I hadn't got all the drops in, but, um, yeah, so I'll tell you. All right. I'm going to give you a preview chart. I'm probably dropping Brandon Marshall. So, I, I, I look, there's too many receivers being kept. I think uh, I always hate keeping receivers because so they always underperform anyway. So I'm going to – I don't keep receivers, Tarvin. There's, there's too many good receivers out there in the draft already. There's, there's like and five have, guys. Good, Tim. And I have Julio Jones and Andre Johnson, so you know I won't be drafting a receiver with my first pick. It's going to be a quarterback. Well, if I Julio Jones, pass. I'd keep a receiver too, but <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Julio is better than Ben Marshall. So. Yeah. Oh, just a little bit. Trey, before we go real quick, give me your rant. If you have one, if you're not, we'll just do it Wednesday night. No, no rant tonight. Just uh, you know, for those who are interested, you know, just message me if you're if you're interested. I appreciate everybody who's done that so far, and asked to help my family. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, I will say that uh, my parents' house burned to the ground. Uh, four souls were were left inside, uh, and, and it's looking more and more like it was intentional. Uh, we we can't get the police to investigate, uh, so we're kind of going at, at it alone right now. Uh, so it's been a real tough time. My parents don't have really anything left because uh, the house burned to embers. Uh, so it's been a real tough week, uh, especially losing four, four souls, those of you who know what that's like, all in one fatal fatal mm-hmm. time. So I appreciate everybody's thoughts and prayers. So uh, we still need a lot of help uh, in the Patterson household. So I appreciate everything. Well, Trey, and, and people love you, man. I mean, that's a, that's a good chance for everybody, including myself, to show, you know, what a true friend will do, you know, and they'll be there for you. I mean, your family to us, you've always been, and a lot of people think of you that way. And, you know, prayers are very important this time, too. And I know it's hard on your family. The house was devastating, but losing four animals like that, too, that's that's got to take its toll. But, Trey, we are praying for you, and we do appreciate everybody that has been praying for you and your family. Um, things will get better, and that's just the way life is. But we're sorry you had to go through all of that. And, 
Wednesday night, Trey, we'll be back at 9 Eastern. We won't be back at 10. We're going to go 9 Eastern. It's a work night. So make sure you join us. And we had a lot of fun tonight. Thanks, everyone, for joining in. And, uh, Trey, we'll see you Wednesday night, buddy. See you, buddy. Have a good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.